Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Welcome your hosts, Byron White and Amanda Smith. Welcome to the show, everyone. We're very excited to be here this week with a fabulous guest that uh, Amanda's been able to bring on to the show Jeff Schwartz, the CEO of Timberland and one of the premier leaders in the country with regards to environmental action and and uh, bringing his company, uh, which seems like an impossible feat, to become carbon neutral by 2010. Wow, Mandy, great job in bringing on Jeff. I got to tell you, Byron, he's like my eco hero. I feel like we're interviewing a superstar today. I'm actually really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a few smiles and that'll be behind you because it, it is a great <laughs> it is a great opportunity to uh, to talk with somebody that really has an opportunity to have impact. That's that's what's probably most exciting about the show today is listening to somebody that can really make a difference and be a leader and and uh, and make a company change. So it'll be fun. I'm so, excited. Let's jump right into it. I have so many questions for him. So, do we want to take a break first and then come right back? Is that our plan? Okay. I think I can, I think that's I can barely what our, stand our, it. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our fearless leaders at Webmaster Radio tell us that's the plan. So let's take a quick station break, everybody, and we'll be back with Jeff in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Need help improving your PPC campaigns? Tired of spending all your time swamped with spreadsheets and manual updates? Turn to Adapt SEM software to optimize your campaigns and to reach your goals. Adapt SEM is one of the most affordable and reliable tools on the market for improving PPC campaigns. Adapt SEM not only optimizes your bids, but also gives you keyword suggestions, competitive research, and helps to test ads all in one place at flat rate pricing and no long-term commitments. Learn how Adapt SEM can help manage your PPC campaigns better. Check out our free webinar at adapt.com slash webmaster radio. Sign up now for a free personal tour. Adapt.com slash webmaster radio. Susan, you're still responsible for digital marketing programs, right? Right. So your team is responsible for email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign optimization, and scheduling? Your point? Why are you so relaxed? My team deals with five different solutions, tech support teams, and just as many invoices, and it's making us mental. What is it? Aromatherapy? Acupuncture? Why are you so relaxed? You just have to simplify your tool set and unify your team. Lyris provides totally integrated email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign management, and calendaring functionality. It's all in one spot that provides a holistic view of all your team's efforts. And you get all of this functionality for $299 a month. So with Lyris, one company can do it all. Oh, I feel like I can cancel that acupuncture appointment already. To see how Lyris can simplify your life, visit Lyris.com or call 1-888-GO-LIRIS. Simplify, unify, and increase ROI with Lyris today. Stand by for the hook. 
Hi, this is Katie Kempner. Please join me Tuesdays at the intersection of advertising and PR while I talk with my friends, industry leaders in advertising and marketing about the state of the industry today. Live broadcast Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of surf, SEO rock stars. Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I have a, a couple of ground rules for you for the show. I tend to ask the tough questions, so I'm going to hit you hard and fast with them. <laughs> and my co-host, Amanda, will, will, will calm, calm the water and, and return to the roots of greatness <laughs> for Amanda, all Amanda, let's, let's ignore them and just talk together. <laughs> I like it. Probably safer all the way around. It's yeah. really an honor to be talking with you and, uh, and, a, and a company that's just built a brand connected to the environment. Tell, can you tell us a little bit about that connection and the roots that your company has with the environment and really where it began 20 years ago? Well, thank you for the opportunity uh, because uh, opportunities for impact with an audience like yours are, are hard to come by, and I'm grateful for it. At the heart of... Um, uh, how companies present themselves is either uh, a creation of the marketing department or a reflection of uh, the values that, that guide an enterprise. And at the end of the day, here we are in southern New Hampshire. Here we are by the sea. We're near the mountains. Uh, we are a company that makes products that are for people to enjoy uh, in the great outdoors. And so it's not a long intellectual stretch for us to think about uh, a deep responsibility of stewardship for the physical environment that we're blessed with. And just to re- reflect back on some of the incredible pieces that connect your brand, even with your shareholder community, I remember um, some fabulous designers, uh, Bill Tomlinson, and some other designers that you worked over the years that produced annual reports for you. I remember your annual for a series of years was just always this incredibly connected piece that, that marketed your products. Can you talk a little bit about how you concocted that connection to the environment and how when we think of Timberland in our minds right now, it, it just connects us with literally being on a hike in the outdoors? I'm glad, Byron, that you mentioned people like Bill and and folks at Mullen Advertising and and others that have been part of uh, creating uh, this brand because the real strength, uh, the the real environmental science at Timberland is the recognition of of interdependency. It's the re- it's the recognition of ecosystems that I don't know maybe it, maybe there are smarter CEOs and and, and I'm sure there are uh, and there's the sort of the I have all the answers approach, but uh, in, whether it's in how we design our products, whether it's how we run our business, whether it's how we build our brand, we've always been blessed with the humility to recognize that in this ecosystem, this dynamic set of relationships that, are, that swirl around our enterprise, there are people with passion and purpose, and if you give them an opportunity to raise their voice, what Bill can do in terms of graphic design, we, we couldn't do without him. Uh, and it's, it's true, there's 6,000 people now at Timberland all around the world, and when you think about uh, how we solve problems. It's the same way we built our annual report or we built our brand. It's by having a, a clear set of principles, a deep passion for outcome, and then a, a, real, uh, a real desire to hear in the ecosystem how, how, how others think that things could be done. 
Hmm. Now, there's a lot of pressure on you with, with, with that momentum that you've carried about, uh, about being part of the environment and caring for the environment. What, what are your plans to, to really take, 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 uh, to take this to the next level and to show your commitment to making this planet a better place? Well, there's, there's really two sharp points. There's one is what you say, and the other is what you do. And they, are, they obviously... Please, uh, they better be related. But the, but the fact that they're related is not sufficient either. There, you, we could spend a long time together talking about our business practice in terms of carbon neutrality. We could talk about uh, our passion for reducing energy and thereby reducing emissions because we recognize the fact that 25% of the carbon emissions in the world come from power plants. And so for all the energy we put into improving the gas mileage in, in our employees' parking lot, which we do spend a lot of time on, 25% of the world's carbon emissions come from the power plants. And so the first thing we ought to do is reduce the amount of energy we consume. We should switch from dirty energy to clean energy. We could talk about business practice at great length. But if all we did was, was if we used 100% of our, our creative energy to work on business practice and we didn't spend time on engaging consumers, then the truth is it would be like a tree falling in a forest at the sound that nobody hears. That's why we have to spend deep passion on creating a green index or a nutrition label on a shoebox. We have to spend time at quarterly, on a quarterly basis not only reporting to shareholders about our financial results, but also talking to stakeholders about our environmental impact. We've got to spend time on social networks, uh, with, with earthkeeper applications so we can plant trees, whether it's in China or the United States. It's the sum of these things, Byron, that we have to do, and it's really daunting because environmental change uh, is a shift of attitude. It's a battle of ideas as well as practice, and so we have, to, we have to both fight on the level of practice and on the level of storytelling, and that, those are very daunting tasks in and of themselves. Can't wait to talk with you about storytelling. But before I do that, you know, you're a real leader, Jeff, with regards to you know responsible business practice for CEOs. <clears throat> what are you seeing with regards to the the pulse that your shareholders have on where you're coming from? Do you think there's a day when when shareholders will look for investments in companies that are committed to to becoming carbon neutral as your company is in 2010 and other variables. Is this a big deal now? That's what I'm asking. It's a bigger deal now, Byron, than it was a year ago and certainly than it was five years ago. The trend and the, the velocity of the of the issue is relevant to consumers, which is which is the basis upon which shareholders will eventually get to vote about this, right? Because when the day is done, they want to hear it uh, at the end of the quarter. Did your sales grow? Did your earnings grow? And that means, did consumers care about your proposition? If they did, then you, you get uh, 90 more days to try as a CEO. Uh, and if they didn't, eventually you run on a runway. And so uh, the, the fact that, consu- that the consumer interest or consumer a- action and energy is rising to meet the, the questions of global warming is a, is a wonderful coincidence, a wonderful circumstance for a company that positions itself with principle and value against this notion. But the fact is um, that, again, is only part of the conversation because yeah, there's, there's, there's an activist community that talks about global warming. Certainly politicians are talking about it. But when you come right down to the point of sale, when people are buying boots and shoes and clothes, is there a lot of conversation about global warming? The answer is no. The need, again, to the point of storytelling, we got it. We, the, there is the, 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 the Vice President, uh, Vice President Gore is uh, uh, out there with you know, his eyes uh, glinty and his jaw set strong saying the world is coming to an end. Uh, and it, 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 let's pretend for a minute it's absolutely accurate as you, as you depicts it. Still, that's not a consumer-facing message. That's a, that's a, a policy uh, perspective. It doesn't sell shoes. 
it, it, people don't want to be told doom and gloom at the point of sale. They don't want to be, you know, it's like eat your porridge because the kids are hungry in some other part of the world. That's what mom used to say to me. It just it didn't make the food palatable. And so we can't make shoes and, and clothes interesting to consumers on the basis of the world's coming to an end. We've got to instead make the issue powerful and personal and relevant and, and actionable. And so it can't, it's not enough to, to, to decry. It's not enough for the, the activist message. It has to be framed in consumer terms, and that's the storytelling element again. Hmm. There's, there's, there's some momentum within, the, within our commitment to, uh, to make the planet a, a better place with going local. Okay, yes. and you know, local meaning buying local groceries, saving the fuel charges it takes to ship products around the world, right? Or to yep. import bananas from you know Mexico, right? What commitment does Timberland have to to this sort of buy America, buy local, produce things in America with our inter- energy efficient standards? Where's Timberland going with that message? It's a right. It's a really good question because uh, it, it's. It lines up on really all three dimensions because, uh, which is, uh, there's a there's a commerce dimension to it, there's a justice dimension to it, and therefore it's a it's a it's a right question, it's a shareholder and a stakeholder question because regional manufacturing, which is to say, uh, in theater operations, manufacturing close to where the consumer consumes, is it's higher first cost typically, but it's it can well be it can be well be lower total cost because the biggest cost in in our value chain the biggest cost is when we make a blue one and you wanted a red one and if our lead times are six months or nine months which is which is inherently longer transportation which means more energy and more chemicals uh... if if we can shorten the supply chain so that when you want a red one you get a red one Yes, our initial costs are higher, but our, our actual net gross margin would be higher, too, because we don't have the waste uh, of producing uh, three to make one sale. And so re- uh, getting closer to where the consumer consumes is an important business priority. It is also an important environmental priority. And so we have, unlike many of our competitors, we have a, 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 a large manufacturing presence in the Dominican Republic, uh, which, is, which is here in North America, obviously, and we've, we have for 20 years. We have 2,000 passionate people in that, and those factories making, we think, the very finest quality footwear on earth. It's close to the market, and so we don't pay the shipping charges. It's close to the market, which means we can react faster. It's also a place where uh, because it's our factory, not somebody else's factory, we can put the windmill in, which we did, and we can put the solar collectors in, which we did, and we can put the biodiesel in the buses that we send to pick our employees up when they come to work in the morning, which we did. And so we can we can do more with a with a, a factory base that's our own. Now that's not exclusive. That's only say ten and twelve percent of our manufacturing volume. But my belief, Byron, over time is that trend uh, it, uh, extends. Meaning, I think there will be more local manufacturing and less centralized and low-wage environment manufacturing, both from an environmental perspective and a human rights perspective and a, uh, a shareholder perspective. I think it's a, absolutely a, um, a coming thing. And, and by the way, I think it's really interesting you reference the food world because uh, I think food leads fashion. Uh, food's what you put in your body. Fashion's what you put on your body. And so organic cotton uh, is a second mover. Organic fruit was a first mover, right? 
people, I didn't want to eat a, a, a factory farm pesticide laden, uh, perfectly shaped, but probably glowing in the dark apple, right? I, it, it, I, I got interested in, a, in an organic apple, which looks more like, you know, might have had a worm, uh, and it's a little misshapen, and the colors aren't perfect, but it's good for me and for my children. So if it's, not, if it's going in my body, I'm going to look at a label, I want to see that it's certified organic, and, I, and I'm even willing, I am anyways, to pay a little bit more for organic produce. You can see that was 10 years before organic cotton became a conversation in our space. Now people talk about organic cotton as an important thing because that goes on my skin. And by the way, factory farm cotton is as pernicious a crop as you like in terms of uh, hect- uh, um, pesticides and herbicides per square hectare. And so good for the world that the food world has, has educated consumers that organic matters. They're doing the same thing about local. People like Alice Waters at Chez Panisse on the West Coast talking about local cuisine as as both delicious and sustainable, it starts mm-hmm. to have an impact on, yeah, but I manuf- manufacture everything in deepest, darkest Peru. Okay, maybe that's not the right answer. It's great that the food people are leading. That's where our nutrition label came from. It came from the, the food folks saying to people, I know you wouldn't consume this unless you knew what the facts were, and so you and I wouldn't buy packaged food or any kind of food without some sense of nutrition. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't buy fashion without some sense of that as well. Hmm. And really interesting stuff. I've got a one final tough question, and I know Mandy's chopping at the bit to ask you some questions <laughs> as well. But okay, this is a tough one, possibly my toughest one, and I and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna get bo- your answer to this right over to both uh, presidential candidates <laughs> that are duking <laughs> it out as we speak right now. My question for you is incentive and the the potential pressure that could be put on large companies, Fortune 1000 companies like yours, uh, with regards to commitment to going carbon neutral. Do you feel that there's a day when when we should tax companies that aren't committed to helping the environment at an alarming place at an alarming pace that would force them down the the, the, the pipeline of, of of helping to be committed to, to our future? In a nonpartisan sense, Byron, I absolutely don't think that's a good idea. I absolutely believe that the market is a more efficient means of sorting that out. And, and when people say the market, they think about Wall Street and you know hedge fund guys. I don't mean that. I mean consumers are the most powerful uh, voters in the whole world. And mm. we as CEOs can be and should be more accountable than any politician because we don't get a two-year term or a four-year term or an eight-year term. We, 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 we serve as long as you will suffer us to serve. And so when consumers say, I won't pay a lot for that muffler, or when a consumer says, I expect it absolutely positively overnight, they don't, we don't need government regulation to say that. When a consumer says, I will not consume this product because I prefer the Timberland shoe to the XYZ shoe because I can see what chemicals are used and I can see what energy has gone into it, and the other guy won't even tell me the truth. And so I'm not going to even look at his product. That is a more rational penalty. That's a more effective means of taxing that other CEO than any legislation. Because the thing about legislation that's going to have to get debated, it's going to have to get you know, compromised, and we're going to end up with some sort of in-the-middle solution, whereas the marketplace can be absolutely uh, unrelenting. When you, if you do it right, you get rewarded. If you do it wrong, you get penalized. And by the way, t- this afternoon sales will be on the wire tomorrow morning to me. I don't need polls. I'm going to get the polling literally from our cash register. And they're going to tell me your ideas are good, but your execution isn't good. Or they're going to tell me your ideas are good and your execution is good. Or they're going to say people want value and values. And if you don't have it, you don't get paid. That, to me, is the, is the, the most rigorous test. And I, I would 
I would respectfully, humbly ask our politicians to think about uh, involving the marketplace more dynamically in this kind of a conversation. Jeff, I know that you're, well, clearly you're an incredibly passionate man when it comes to the environment and sustainability in the corporate world, but how do you keep your employees as dedicated to the green ideals as, as you are? How do you, do you offer any employee incentives to maintaining the green ideals of the brand? What's really neat, Amanda, is uh, the consent of the government applies as m- as much in the private sector, I think, as it does in the in the civic uh, square. Meaning, uh, I'm the CEO, and so ostensibly that makes me powerful. In, in fact, it's sort of a reverse kind of hydraulics. I have deep passion for this notion of sustainable business enterprise, and in many ways it derives from the strength of the feeling that exists here at Timberland. Outside the window, um, right right out there, uh, just in front of the daycare center that we rebuilt ten years ago, not because my kids needed it, because I don't live uh, right near here, but because our employees said, if you want our talents in this building, you better build a daycare center. So we did. Right in front of that daycare center are the victory gardens that our employees uh, are, are managing with their community service hours, because they didn't like seeing the two-stroke uh, engine for the lawnmower going up and down on the lawn here, uh, putting carbon into the sky. They didn't like the fact that people are hungry, uh, working poor are hungry here in southern New Hampshire, and that the food banks don't have any fresh vegetables. So they tore up the lawn, and they planted fresh vegetables, and they used their community service hours at this victory garden to raise vegetables. They, they, give the, they, they sell the vegetables to one another, and they use the money to feed the hungry here in southern New Hampshire. And now I would love to tell you that this is my idea, I would love to tell you that I was in charge, that I'm the CEO of the Victory Garden, or that it was my idea to build the daycare center. But I will tell you, I believe my job as the leader is to insist on, on values, because every enterprise has uh, some sort of values. And then um, I've got I to gotta be more of a listener than a talker. The truth is, the green value story here, Amanda, is as much driven from um, the corners of the buildings that it is driven from the corner of the building. The, the truth is, I set standards, they set policies. I set, uh, I, I set agendas, they, they drive the passion to make it come right. Do we provide incentives like, yes, you get to park in the front row of the parking, uh, uh, parking lot if you have a hybrid car with more than 32 miles per gallon? Yes. Do we give you uh, extra incentive if you ride your bike to work? Yes. Do we have this thing called make it better where there's incentives that are gentle incentives, kind of fun incentives to... to um, to take the business practice and apply it to how you run your house. So, for example, if you want to buy biodiesel for your home to heat your home here, we'll help you arrange to do that. Yeah, we do all that stuff, but it's more in facilitating the passion that already exists than it is in inculcating the passion, because I assure you, at least in this place, it, it's, uh, it rings out loud and clear. Now, you guys are coming out with some amazing lines of eco-friendly apparel, like your eco-friendly shoes, uh, earth keepers. What design criteria? criteria are you holding everything to that that maintains these green values well we we this is back to what's the role of the leader in this case you got to be a little kooky right and so in in the terms of the dominican republic i've told people that my vision for that plant is that i I can see the ceremony i want to go down there and i want to unplug the plant from the grid i want them to find enough solutions with geothermal and wind and solar so that we'll be off the grid. We'll be manufacturing shoes with wind, water, earth, and sky. I've also said to people, I'm looking forward to buying a pair of Timberland Earthkeeper shoes, 
sometime soon, wearing them to my heart's content because they will be as handsome as you could ever imagine, as durable as you could never need, as high performance as you could ever possibly desire. And when you're finished with them, I want to take them out back in with the compost from the kitchen scraps that I, I've been uh, accumulating on the counter, and I want to put them in my garden, and I want them to compost naturally. And so people say... Um, and I said, no, that's just right. That we, when we talk about set, um, cradle to grave or cradle to cradle product, that's a nutty vision. Right now, if you look at the substrates, the materials they use to make uh, footwear, if you look at our Earthkeeper's line, we can do a recycled lace. We can do silver certified tannage leathers. We can take car tires and turn them into into the soles of the shoes. We can we can do all of these. Uh, incremental and even innovative ideas, but when we're still done, we have a product that uh, is not fundamentally a natural product. It's not like uh, your apple core that you can throw in the backyard and it degrades. But the vision that we're trying to create for Earthkeepers is a product that will will have no uh, deleterious impact on people's physical environment. That's a standard we haven't uh, achieved, but it's certainly one that we're aiming at with with all the kooky passion we can muster. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the green index that you guys are using? Did you create that? We did, uh, and that's that. You know, back to Byron's point about what's the role of government. You know, the, there are, you know, Energy Star is a rating uh, system that the electronics industry put together uh, with the help of the government, and now you can compare refrigerator to refrigerator. We've tried for the last three years to get our industry, uh, the fashion industry, footwear, apparel, outdoor, whatever, uh, to to come together with a set of standards that says here's how we'll look at the impact of our products in terms of energy, chemicals, resources, things like that. And we've gotten a tremendous amount of energy and excitement about it, Amanda, but, no, but nothing concrete enough. And so at a certain point, uh, back to the, the kooky, I, I said to our team, enough. Uh, it's time to put green index on our shoes, even though it's not an agreed standard yet in the industry, even though it's a standard that isn't as, as uh, by any means perfect as, as we'd like it to be. Still, we've got we to gotta create facts on the ground. So let's put the green index on a, a shoebox, and it goes from zero to ten, and uh, z- zero indicates good and ten indicates bad from an environmental perspective, and there's more to it than that. But it allows a consumer to, to glance at a pair of shoes, ours, in a retail environment and say, well, uh, that one is uh, a three, and that compares favorably to a four. Now, it's tricky, because if you want to compare that to the Nike sneaker or to the Rockport shoe that you're looking at by comparison, th- there's no standard on those shoes. There's no labeling on those shoes yet. Uh, Patagonia's just done some stuff. Nike's in the process of doing stuff. And we're working with our competitors because we want there to be one standard so a consumer can make an informed choice. But I, I'm afraid in some levels that are that... Even with all the good intentions, our industry is fiddling a little bit, and Rome is burning. And so we, we put Green Index on the shoes because we wanted to see if we could incent or even incite consumers to say, hey, I demand to know this. Uh, I demand to know what's the impact of, of, of shoe manufacturing on the environment, and that will be part of my purchase decision. And, and so that's why we, we, we created and imposed the Green Index. Wow. You, you guys are just, you, you really have it all, like, covered. Uh, what, about, what about packaging? Um, packaging is a is a is a, a terrible thing. Uh, when the day is done, I, I was uh, at the World Economic Forum and I was talking to a really smart guy from a packaging company uh, who supplies all the soap companies. It's, it's a giant uh, fortune, probably maybe even one hundred company. And he's the CEO and he's a very smart engineer. And he was talking about uh, wh- what it takes to sell soap. 
uh, you know, liquid soap on the sh- on the shelves. And he said, all these packages have five or six or seven different beautiful colors in it. So Tide is different than All is different than Cheer. He said, if anybody, if any consumer understood how much carbon goes uh, emission results of, of the fact that there's seven colors in a soap package instead of five, they, wouldn't, they, they would live with five colors. But the problem is if one company uses seven colors, the other guy's got to use seven colors, and then somebody's going to do eight colors, and we, nobody knows. There's no accountability for that. And so I said to him, look, I'd like to eliminate the shoebox. The shoebox has no purpose except sort of a sanitary purpose. It doesn't market the shoes. It doesn't improve lives. It doesn't uh, feed the hungry. It just gets a shoe from the factory to, to you in the shoe store, and then everybody throws the thing out. And so, great, ours is made with 100% post-consumer waste, and it, does, it uses soy inks, and that just means that, you know, we're, we're not as terrible as some. That's different than saying, I want to conceive of the shoe coming off the factory, close by where it's being consumed, right onto your foot with no hang tags, with no stuffing, with no box. What do we need the box for? Right now it's the convention, but we've got to find a way to eliminate that convention because it's cost that consumers don't want to bear, and it's environmental cost that the world doesn't need to bear. Hmm. How does the online sale either propel or conflict your green commitment? Well, on one level, online is a powerful thing because uh, it allows us to have um, networks of, of interested people connecting to a deeper level conversation. Uh, instead of just, hey, mine is brown, it's ninety nine ninety nine. I can have a conversation about the, the factory where it was manufactured and the toxins that were used. And so as a source of information, online becomes a very powerful part of storytelling. Online also becomes a place... Um, uh, for uh, editorial challenge that's different. The blogosphere is something we participate in because you can really sharpen your game up. You get access to activists in a different way. When people order things online, uh, one pair from our, our warehouse in Ontario, California, in Ontario we built the, one of the 50 largest privately owned uh, solar arrays in, in North America with the help of the state of California, um, and, and it provides 60% of the energy in that place. Uh, but part Part of what I don't love about online is when you go on uh, to Timberland.com and you design your own boot. We manufacture a million permutations of the boot to your specific order in the Dominican Republic, and then we ship it in a shoebox inside a shipping container to you and wherever you are. And you as a consumer want that convenience, you want that customization, you want that service, uh, and, and, and yet you and I are both complicit in the fact that uh, sh- shipping one pair is a whole lot less effective from an environmental perspective than shipping, say, 100,000 pairs. And so uh, the, there is a, the, the, the perfect standard of the good, right, Byron? Uh, the, the, there is, uh, the, there's no simple, simple solution that I can frame, uh, but I can tell you that at the heart of what we operate from is an accountability for our affect. And so we make online sales, and we use chemicals we shouldn't use, and we, we aren't as efficient with energy as we should be. And all I can say is we'll be as transparent about that as we can every 90 days, and we will be passionate about being better in the next 90 days than we were in the last. Hmm. Have you ever thought about becoming an auctioneer? An auctioneer? Oh, because I talk too fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I could have got carbon credits. I was ready. No, uh, no, I can barely do this job. And many would argue I can really barely do this job. Well, I, I would be one to argue that, I might add. <laughs> I hardly know you. I think four hours on the golf course wouldn't even be, wouldn't be time enough to ask you all the questions that I'd like to ask you. Many <laughs> herbicides um, on golf courses. We've got to go organic on the golf course. Go green on the golf course. No, no pun intended, right? Go, go get them. <laughs> 
Do you have any final reflections? This has been such a fascinating interview, but we, we like to keep this within the bandwidth of a normal podcast. Do you have any thoughts of where the future is going to be in five years for Timberland? Where, where, where do you see this all going? Uh, we have a strategic plan, and we have a frame of reference for what we want from our brand and from our enterprise. But at the heart of it, if you are as hopeful and as faithful as I am, I believe that um, the best lies in front of us in terms of what we can conceive of, like a shoe that you can put in a compost pile that never had a shoe box, a factory that you unplug from the grid. These are as bold as I can afford to be. Uh, it's the limit of my imagination, not the limit of my will. But what I'm really hopeful about in the context of the next five years is if the velocity of energy and interest that continues to be focused on the issue of sustaining our, our physical environment and our human environment, if that energy continues to pile into the ecosystem, I believe the, that I, I'm going to be seen to have been a guy who couldn't dream far above his head. I believe there are radically hopeful things in front of us, and I hope to live to see them. Awesome. Yeah. You do, a couple of yes or no questions. Do you think the shoebox will still be around? No. How about sharing clothes and personal recycling? More prominent? Uh, slightly. Regional manufacturing? Definitely. You think you'll be driving an electric car? I hope so. <laughs> when do you think you'll be driving an electric car? One year or five years from now? Um... Probably not one, and I hope it's not five. <laughs> well, that concludes a great show today. It's really been fun having you on the show. Thank you so much for, for being our guest. It's yeah, my privilege, and I thank you. Thank you very much. Any final tips for those interested in either A, your products, or B, saving the planet? <laughs> uh, there's a greatness within you, and I hope you can find it. <laughs> Perfect. A great tip. Really enjoyed you being on the show today. Have a good day, folks. You yes, too. indeed, you too. Thanks, everyone, for listening into the show. Mandy, great job in setting up a fabulous guest. I hope that your life is awesome. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> in the you meantime, I hope. <laughs> in the meantime, I hope everyone's life has been a little bit smarter, better, faster. Oh, ah. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, too, I'm too caught up in, in the rock star that was Jeffrey Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> more, more Schwartz. Smarter, more better, Schwartz. faster, and more Schwartz. <laughs> May the Schwartz be with you, Byron. Right on. Thanks, everyone, for listening <laughs> to a great show. Appreciate it. A lot of fun. Thanks, everyone.